With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey folks, this is Rico, not Dr. Robert M. Price. But now that we have a weekly or I should say, the podcast mechanism, I thought that I would uh, do a podcast um, in that grouping each week and would just read the questions that Bob has addressed in the previous week that are uh, you know, recorded on the subscriber's file, just to give you some idea of what has been addressed. Um, so I'll go through the questions. Um, now, and uh, we'll throw this up on the feed, uh, and uh, people can start downloading and listening to it. At least it'll be, uh, you know, beginning of some content for you. Uh, question. When was it fashionable to look at scripture with an allegorical view? Is this something that began with Christianity, or was it popular in the general population and simply incorporated into Christianity? How long did this kind of thing last, and how, and what turned it out of favor? Uh, if that happens too much, I will turn off sound when I do these recordings, but uh, we won't worry about it for a moment. The next question was... What was the first date of a list of texts proposed as official given in the Christian church? How does it compare with the list of the canon we have today? What is the date of the first listing of the texts that match the list we use today? And I have heard that the first person to list the text we use today was Athanasius. Is this true? Okay. Again, that was a question that was addressed in the most recent episode, which is 103. Next question. I have heard that some biblical scholars are working in a subdiscipline known as, quote, disability studies in the Bible, unquote. Is the foundational text for this area of research Leviticus 21 16 through 21, the literary uh, literary English of the KJV provides my favorite translation of this passage. Except for Deuteronomy 23.1, I cannot think of any passage that deals directly with disabilities. Do the scholars in this subdiscipline work primarily on exegesis of these two texts, or have they found other texts or other approaches in their studies in this field of contemporary biblical scholarship. Uh, I know what he said to that. <laughs> Sorry, this is Wednesday, and uh, I listened to the tape on a Sunday with the rest of these subscribers, so I happen to know the answers to all of these questions, or at least have heard them, um, and I'll get in the habit of doing this uh, 
uh, question podcast more towards Sunday. But the next question was, hi, Bob. I am surprised that you do not seem to have re- uh, you do not seem to have referred to the framework view of Genesis chapter one. When people have asked about the days of Genesis, this view does not take the days as twenty-four hours or as long epochs, but argues that although the writer is using the concept of literal day, he is making the week a figurative whole, an anthropomorphic work week for God, if you like. It is argued that the framework view of the days of Genesis is is in a topical, not a historical order. The case goes like this in verse 2. The earth is unformed and unfilled, and so days 1 through 3 are days of forming by acts of separation, and days 4 through 6 are days of filling or populating that which has just been formed. What is remarkable about remarkable about this is that this does appear that the sun, moon, and stars made on day four actually correspond to the day and night separated on day one. In a similar way, the things made on day five and six seem to correspond to what was formed on days two and three, i.e. the birds and fish fill the sky and the waters of day two. I find this view very compelling and would attribute an amazing artistic design to the writer and would make him a genius rather than stupid. It would also mean that placing the sun, moon, and stars on day four fall into the most logical place if the days are following a thematic order, not a historical one. It also means that Genesis 1 isn't addressing the issue of how long it took for the universe to get there, for this was not its purpose. I await your geekish take on this. (laughs) That was a heck of a question. Actually seems to uh, not just be a question, but provide some interesting information for everybody here. Okay, next question. Most people are quick to point out that Jesus of the Bible is a Jew, but how observant was he? He did certainly partake in Jewish customs of the time, but also disagreed with much of the church dogma. Uh, I guess that would be Jewish church. It would also be fair to say that Christ, by nature, was a Christian. By extension, though, he appears to be a Christian Jew, although many Christians today wouldn't entertain the label Jewish Christian, much less endorse entire chunks of the Old Testament, saying Jesus had moved them on from this. These same Christians seem perfectly happy with most of Genesis, though. What says the geeketh? <laughs> I love the salutations or end endutations. Since I have coffee in hand, I will take a sip. But on to the next question. I am trying to get a better understanding of the various versions of the English Bible, but given them, a good Googling seems to lead only to various camps defending their favorite translations, especially the King King James Version. Can you give us a hit-and-run overview of the various translations and how they differ, as well as your opinion on the best and the worst? 
It was the best of translations. It was the worst of translations. Okay, another biggish question here. Dr. Price, I have two questions. Okay, that's why it's biggish. There's two. At the beginning of the semester, a professor of mine reminded me of the linguistic and mythological connection between Deus, that's D-Y-E-U-S, or Deus Fighter, P-H-T-E-R, and Zeus, Jupiter, and this pater, Deus Pitar, and the Latin word for God, Deus, D-E-U-S period. Sorry about the perversion of the pronunciation there. My question is, do you think that there might also be a connection with Jesus? In Greek, I know the name is Iosus, I-E-S-O-U-S, while the Latin is Iusus, I-E-S-U-S. Hebrew and Aramaic scholars say Jesus is a transliteration of Joshua, which they say means savior, but I think this is a reverse engineer on the part of the scholars since present-day Aramaic-speaking Christians and the ancient Jewish Christian sect did not call Jesus Joshua, rather they called him Jesus. Further, there were a number of early Christian sects, as I am sure you are aware, that claimed Jesus was the Father, all of which leads me to think, as an advocate of the Christ myth school, that this is further evidence of Christianity being found not on a historical person, but on the sky god myth. And the second question he's got is, I am fixing in the next year to complete my BA in religious studies and was hoping you could suggest a school or an advisor to work under to get my graduate degrees. I have become convinced by Dettering that you and the Pauline Epistle are, I'm sorry, that Dettering and you, meaning Dr. Bob Price, that the Pauline Epistles are pseudofigric. <laughs> oh, God, I'm sorry about that. And would like to examine the question of the Marcionite authorship of Pauline epistles. Since Dr. Darty retired and you left Drew, I no longer feel that there is a good academic fit for me and was wondering if you know of anyone else doing research in this area. Okay, those were his two questions. Remember, you can uh, hear the answers to these questions by subscribing to the Bible Geek group on the Bible group geek dot org. Uh, little commercial message there. And on to the next question. This is not a question. <laughs> I just wanted to ask if you have a online Bible school where people can learn about where everything comes from in the Bible and other things. I think you have the best podcast on the internet. Uh, I did not make that question up, folks. Somebody actually asked that. Uh, you might be aware that Bob does the question and answer via thebiblegeek.org, but he is also looking into doing some more organized uh, courses, uh, both audio and or textual. So stay tuned, and there will be information on the site about that. Here's a question. Hi, Bob. Just to say, I picked my pen name from the from my old church, which was called Ithkis Christian Fellowship. 
that is Ithgus, which the first with the first H dropped. Apparently, it can be spelled either way. Below is what Wikipedia says, and then it goes on to list Wikipedia's spelling of a number of permutation on Ichthus, which is the Jesus fish symbol. Another question is, despite apologist claims to the contrary, much of the New Testament is taken up with accounts which are clearly legendary in character. Later stories emerged that the supposed authors of the New Testament and how they were all, except for John, eventually killed for their faith. I have always thought that the martyrdom of many Christians in the late 2nd or early 3rd century was quite a rallying point for the people. If these guys are willing to die for their beliefs, then maybe there's something to it. The martyrdoms of Luke, Matthew, Mark, etc. seem to be later additions. But what about the martyr stories of the church fathers, Ignatius, Polycarp, Justin Martyr, and Origen, are all said to have died for beliefs? These are true. Are these true accounts? Which then inspired the martyr stories of older characters, or did the later martyrs assume that all earlier Christians had been martyred since it was in vogue at the time? I love that question. I am very interested at the moment at the martyrdom of the early church issue. It seems that there was no better evidence of apostleship in the early church than to die for your beliefs to the point that you have Christians, maybe not in leaps and bounds, but large amounts of Christians just looking for reasons and ways to be martyred. But that's not Bob's answer. That's just my comment. The next question. I was very surprised to learn in college that the first generation of General Baptists actually baptized adult believers by sprinkling water on them and not by immersion in water. I've also recently read an article arguing for the case that the modern Baptist, I'm sorry, mod, the mode of baptism in the New Testament was indeed by sprinkling. What do you think about this? And on, forging ahead to the next question. Waiting. We'll just put that on hold for a second. Let's do the stop listening to those channels so that we won't be interrupted again. Okay, next question. This sounds like an urban legend, but it also sounds plausible. Someone told me the Textus Receptus, the Greek New Testament that was used for the King James Version, and was not surpassed until the late 19th century, was not named, quote, the received text by scholars, but in fact got the name as a marketing blurb written by the publisher who wanted to create the perception that this edition was the edition. Moving on to the next one. We'll take in a second as my screen moves from page to page. 
What is the oldest existing New Testament document? Where is it currently located? How old is it? And how do we know how old it is? I love basic questions like that. I think they give Bob an opportunity to really expound on a good amount of biblical historical information that people are unknowledgeable about and very interested in. Next question. Where did the name Jesus originate? If Jesus is indeed a mythical figure, then how did the myth come to refer to a specific name? What if the Jesus of Scripture is mythical only as a legend built around the actual historical person named Jesus who led a movement built upon radical new ideas? That question sort of assumes the whole um, mythical Jesus view, which you may or may not be familiar with, but if you're not, I should make a note here that maybe we should put some information about the mythical Jesus view on the BibleGeek.org reference section. Okay, next question. I am confused about the doctrine as most fundamentalist Christians see it. When I was a child, I was taught that when you die, if you are good, you go to heaven. Later, I learned that Jesus is supposed to return to earth to kill the Antichrist, banish Satan's followers to hell, bring the dead back to life, and begin the kingdom of God here on earth to live forever. Have I got that right? If so, where does heaven fit into the scenario? Do good Christians go to heaven, or do they wait for the resurrection of Christ's triumphal return? Great question. I know that there is lots of people that have issues about the rapture and the tribulation and the order of things and when people are raised and different groups of people being raised at different times. That'll let Bob talk about all that. Dr. Price, this is the next question. Earlier today, Gillian Gibbons was convicted with a sentence of 10 years in a Sudanese prison for naming a teddy bear after one of her students, a name which coincidentally was the same as the revered Islamic prophet. I don't think it was. This is my note. I don't think it was a coincidence. It was on purpose. Meanwhile, today, a Christian workmate of mine was highly offended at my suggestion to another employee that the Bible might not be the inerrant, quote, word of God. In another context, in another culture, this anger could easily have been expressed through fists. Why are faithful, the faithful so easily offended to the point of violence? Don't the faithful trust their own God to protect dispense, I'm sorry, to properly dispense his own judgment on the blasphemous. 
Why do they feel the need to take matters into their own hands? I suspect it is out of fear of their own concept of God, but I really don't know for sure. What's your take on this aspect of religious belief? And that is the last question in this week's, which is December 2nd's file release, episode number 103 from thebiblegeek.org. Uh, this was the first podcast where I'm actually broadcasting out the questions that people ask. Um, the podcast is going to be more than just the questions. It'll be a number of other things. It has just started literally today. So um, feel free to subscribe with iTunes. Go to the, the site, ask your questions, check out the reference section, subscribe possibly to Bob's Q&A area, um, and in general, just have fun. Hope you enjoyed it, and thus ends the first of the questions section. Cheers. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.